This is the podcast for RUF at App State. Everyone is welcome and no one is unexpected. For more information, visit us at appstate.ruf.org. this entire semester at a series that I'm calling Big Questions. And questions are really fun. I like questions because they interrupt us in really fun ways and get us to think creatively. They focus your attention on things that you weren't focusing on before. And the big questions of life, like what is good? Can I know anything with certainty? What is real? Questions that that we explore and that we we really never, on, on one level, get to the end of. My invitation for us this semester is to see that when we look at these questions through the lens of what the Bible tells us about God, what we find is something that's even better than the answers we so badly think that we want. We find him. This is an invitation to adventure, to seek and to find him. So let's look at another big question this week, first by reading from the Bible. Psalm 119.45, and I shall walk in a wide place where I have sought your precepts. John 8.32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 10.9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Romans 6.22, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, we do ask that you would show us the truth and that you would give us a heart of humility to hear it and to receive it, to lay it in our hearts and apply it in our lives so that we might be free. And we ask this in your name. Amen. I've always claimed, I've always bragged that if I have one superpower, kind of like Bruce Willis and Unbreakable, it's what I would call stomach of steel. And stomach of steel is my way of saying that I rarely, if ever, get stomach sick. I really don't get stomach sick. I don't get any kind of stomach aches. It doesn't matter how much early morning greasy Waffle House hash browns I jam into my system or how much late Taco Bell I jam into my body. It really doesn't matter. I am strong. It doesn't matter how much spicy food, doesn't matter how much grease is in it, it really just feels the same. And so when my son went down with the stomach bug that's been going around, and when my wife went down with it, I thought to myself, it's about drive. Stomach of steel, (laughs) I've got this, I'm fine. And I was was bragging to people throughout the week, like, I'm gonna be fine. I don't know if I told you this, I have a stomach of steel. There's basically like begging all of the germs in the universe to get at me spitefully. But the whole week I was fine, but I, we had the snowball on Saturday nights. So it was a late night. We ended the, the snowball dance at about 10 p.m. And I went home and got home by 10.30, but I had to preach at a church 
outside of Boone the next morning. So I went home, 10.30, went to bed at 11, got a couple hours of sleep, woke up in the darkness of Boone, wrote a sermon, traveled to that church to preach. When it was over, feeling a little bit tired, but we had also agreed where we had gone. My, my family went with me when I was going to preach that we would go and we were going to have some good times with the family there at the church. And they had this indoor pool at their house. So we eat dinner with them. And then I get in the pool with my son, Robert, and we swim hard for like 30 minutes <laughs> to an hour. And when I get out of the pool, I am annihilated. It was like the stomach bug had been there dwelling in the shadows, just waiting for for that one vulnerable moment to gotcha. And in that moment, I just, my stomach of steel, it broke like a 50 cent Dollar Tree toy. It was just, it was over. And so I told Mary Lee, like, we got to go home now. And we get in the car and it was an hour drive back. And I just remember, like, I was promising myself I will not get sick in Hickory. I will not get sick in Hickory. I'm not getting sick at a mall because that's all I know that's in Hickory. So I'm not going to get sick there. Then it all happened. I have frequently, as a result of the lack of maturity in my life, bragged about my ability to push past limits. Whether that's, for one, the ability to push past the limits of nutrition. But the other one would be the, my ability to push past the limits of rest and what a body can possibly take. I mean, I'm constant, I've, throughout my life, I've been telling people, yeah, I mean, I can get three hours of sleep and then drive 10 hours to that event and then drive another 10 hours back and make it in time to my wedding. I can do that. That's fine. But it really, what I've found over time, very slowly and humiliatingly, is that my so-called ability to push past my limits is just an illusion. Because it always catches back up to me. Even if the amount of Taco Bell I eat doesn't immediately get to me, it's still doing something to me. And even if I don't immediately crash after going 48 hours without sleep, that's still doing something to me. But the question that that I've had to wonder to myself is, why do I care so much about pushing past limits in the first place? Why do I feel like I need to do it? And I think it has everything to do with my understanding of freedom that I believe that in some way, being able to blast past my limits is the path to freedom, to a wide and open and satisfying life. And I think for many of us in here, we have functionally redefined freedom in our minds and in our hearts as the absence of, or the transcendence of limits. If I can get past my limits, then I'll be free. No limits, freedom. And what I want to show us tonight is that that has become, in many ways, our functional view of freedom. But I want to show us what that has done to us. And it all to explore this question, what is freedom? What is freedom? And we'll begin to explore it tonight by looking at two things. We're going to look at, one, the slavery of infinity. Just a funny way of saying it. By infinity, I mean being infinite, having no limits. The slavery of infinity, and two, the freedom of finitude, F-I-N-I-T-U-D-E, being finite, having limits. Slavery of infinity, and two, the freedom of finitude. So first, let's look at the slavery of infinity. Looking from the Christian perspective at where we are right now, I would say that we have been led to believe a series of lies about where freedom is and what freedom is. The first lie, I would argue, is this. The more choices I have, the more free I will be. 
I mean, on some level, that makes sense. Because if you have no choice, then, then you're not really free, right? So that would make sense that the more choices you have, the more free you will be. Well, choice in many ways is good. It's, it's certainly not bad in itself. But this statement, the more choices I have, the more free I will be, it flies directly in the face of Jesus' own teaching. You can look there at John 10, 9, where Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus is describing himself as a door that we described here metaphorically as sheep that we go through and only through him to go out and find pasture and feed ourselves. What Jesus is saying is that if you want to find true and ultimate freedom, that wide open, satisfying life, the only choice ultimately is through me. He shrinks the choices all the way down to him. But it's not just Jesus' teaching. I think it's also just our common experience that tells us that it's not true that the more choices you have, the more free you are. All of us have experienced what we call decision fatigue. It's already hard enough to choose between two colleges or two grad schools. But if you're having to choose between 30 colleges or grad schools, all things being, being equal, most people who don't, don't feel more free when they're met with a choice like that, they start to freak out. We, we know that the more that available choices have just increased, the kind of effect of walking down a grocery aisle and there's a hundred different kinds of granola bars, if you just attach that to every part of your life, that really doesn't tend to make us more free. It has tended to trap us in exhaustion and anxiety. You look at a closet full of clothes and you have nothing to wear. So that's the first lie, that the more choices I have, the more free I am. I think the second one is this, the less constraints I have, the more free I am. The less constraints I have, the more free I am. By constraints, I mean any kind of rule or boundary. I tend to think that if there's anything that would stop me from going where I want to go with my life and doing what I want to do, then that's going to make me less free. So if that's true, that means that the more I can just throw off all constraints, the more free I'll be. Again, being constrained by manipulation or in a violative way is a terrible thing. But this statement that the less constraints I have, the more free I'll be, again, flies against basic Christian teaching. You look at Romans 6.22, where the author Paul is talking about the freedom we have in Christ, in God. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. How does he describe being set free? You've been set free from what? Constraints? No, from sin, which is really ultimately the pursuit of throwing off all constraints. I will be God. That's what sin really is at its root. But how does he describe real freedom? He calls it being a slave of God that leads to sanctification or growth and eternal, unending, satisfying life. It's being constrained by God, being put under his rule, being, being within the boundaries that he has put in place. But it's not just what Paul says here, I think our common experience tells us that it's, it's not true, that the less constraints you have, the more free you are. 
the, the, the man who constrains himself by not drinking all the wine he possibly would want to drink isn't making himself less free. He's protecting his freedom by not being dominated by wine. Whereas the man who just throws off all constraints and drinks as much wine as he ever wants to drink, he becomes less free as he becomes trapped in addiction. We just know this by common experience. But both of these lies, I think, ultimately are summarized by this. Limits are the barrier. What's stopping me from really being free? It's limits. Things that constrain me. Things that that shrink my choices. That's the thing that's stopping me. If, if I could just be more places at once, if I could be more productive, if I could do more, if I could have more free time, if there were just more hours in the day, if my stinking body didn't need to rest so much, if I could just do whatever I want, if I could be infinite, then I would be free. I mean, classic, tragic model example of the pursuit of being infinite is Jafar from Aladdin, the evil villain who steals the genie and with his last wish, wishes to be an all-powerful genie. All the power, and you will all be under my control. And he gets exactly what comes to any of us who pursue being infinite. He, from one instance, becomes the size of a skyscraper and then is shrunk down into the lamp. Phenomenal cosmic power, itty-bitty living space. This is what happens to us when we pursue being infinite. Our pursuit of infinity, it does not make us more free. It traps us. It constrains us. It even, we could say, enslaves us. And I realize the weightiness of using the language of slavery as a condition we would fall under. And I'm self-consciously using it here to describe what happens to us when we throw off limits. And think that we can be like God, be infinite. When we throw off limits in the hopes of getting more freedom, we only find ourselves shrunk down to itty-bitty living space. When you neglect the needs of your body, the need to rest, the need for good nutrition, you, you know that you don't find yourself becoming more free to enjoy life. You find yourself over time becoming less free to enjoy life. Well, how have you been seeking to be infinite? to throw off limits. If you've been seeking to be infinite in time by hyper-scheduling yourself and every part of your life, if you've been seeking to be infinite in space, trying to be everywhere at once, one of the, the things that our phones unfortunately sometimes communicate to us is that we can be in all places at once. That I can be connected with my friends, but also connected to my school work. But then as I'm connected with my schoolwork, I don't want to be disconnected from what's going on in the world. So we scroll Insta so that we won't feel left out. And then we still feel left out. So we send out 10 or 20 messages out into the ether to, to stop us from feeling small. And then we feel small. So we distract ourselves by diving into a game but while also trying to do homework at the same time. I could be everywhere at once. What is happening here and what has gone wrong? I think what's gone wrong is that we weren't meant to transcend limits. We weren't meant to blast through limits. They're not something that you can maneuver around, not truly in the end. Both the limits that we all share and the limits you have particular to you, we can't get around them in the end. But here's the real game changer is that you don't have to. You weren't meant to. 
This is not what God is, is asking you to do. He's not asking you to be infinite. So what is he asking us to do? He's asking us to be free, which takes us to the second thing, the freedom of finitude, which again just means being finite. And I, I believe that the Bible, kind of contrasting what we just talked about, it leads us to look at three core truths about what freedom really is and where we find it. And the first truth is this, that God's way is freedom. So you can look at John 8, 32, where Jesus says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus doesn't say, okay, the way to be free is through an unending buffet of truths or unending sort of choices about how you can live. No, the way to be free is my truth, Jesus' truth. If you know that truth, then you will be free. My way brings freedom. Psalm 119.45 gives this beautiful description of the path to freedom. The psalmist writes, And I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. Seeking God's precepts, which are his commands, his, his boundary lines, if you seek those, it leads into a wide way. The, the image that comes to mind for me is looking at this, this path, and that as it goes forward, it seems from a distance to get narrower and narrower. And you look at it, and it looks like it's going to lead you into brambles and thorns, and you think, I can't go into there. I'm going to get stuck. But the more you walk down it, to your great surprise, it opens up, and it opens up until you're in an unending field filled with vibrant, eye-popping colors with with vistas that go beyond anything that you could possibly have imagined. This is what the Bible is communicating to us, that God's way leads to this kind of freedom. The second truth is this. The constraints God gives are freedom. The constraints God gives are freedom. Look there at 2 Corinthians uh, 3.17, where the author Paul writes, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So he calls God the spirit of freedom, the Lord of freedom. And when he calls the Lord the spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, he is communicating that God is infinite. God is not bound by time or space. He he doesn't need to rest. He is perfectly free by being infinite because that's who he is. It says that wherever he is, there is freedom. So what what does it mean for us to access God's freedom? Does it mean that for us to become God? No, that is really the way to being enslaved. The the way to access God's freedom is to be constrained by him, to be ruled by him, to recognize that you are a creature made by a creator, and that's a good thing. Uh, To recognize that God is God and you are not, to trust him to be God. Both of these truths, though, are summarized really just in this. Your limits are a gift. Your limits are a gift that God has given you. Uh, Ashley Hales, who wrote A Spacious Life, which is a wonderful book, um, she writes there, you can see on the screen, limits are built into the fabric of creation as part of God's loving rule and care. Limits are not a result of sin's strictures to hold us down, but a part of God's very good plan. Limits create for us a home. They create the condition for flourishing. Your limits are not the barrier to freedom. They are the path to freedom. 
the best things, many of the best things in my life limit me. Children limit me. They, they limit how much I can sleep. They limit my plans in the morning when they need to go to the patio. They need a, a diaper changed. They limit my ability to go out at night whenever I want because I need to be home to tuck them in. They constrain me. They, they've changed my life. And yet, having them has also opened up an entire room in my heart that wasn't there before, filled with a strange, powerful kind of love that comes entirely from outside of me. Marriage limits me. Uh, marriage limits my habits, my body. It, it constrains me uh, to an entire other person. It's changed my life. I mean, I've answered home decor questions that I never thought that I would ever have to answer. And yet it has freed me. It has freed me to a new kind of love as my selfishness is slowly and stubbornly put to death. I was talking recently with some friends who have a child who has severe disabilities, and her disabilities mean that the parents are constrained to their home. It's very difficult for them to travel. And in many ways, their life is, is in a sense, entirely limited by their daughter. But if you ask them what this kind of limit has meant for them, which I have asked them, what they say is, she has brought us so much joy we never would have had. Embracing your finitude, your limits, in obedience to Jesus, this is what sets you free. This is what opens up the world to you and then liberates you to it. This is what limits do, because you are not infinite. You are finite. You are limited by your body and your gifts and your personality and your place and the people that God has put in front of you. And that is a very good thing. And when you begin to see that your body and your gifts and your personality and where you are and who God has put in your life, when you see that God has given them to you, limits, yes, but as as something that he has called you to embrace, all of a sudden things open up. The world opens up and you are liberated to see the massiveness, the bigness of what God is doing in small ways, in very small places in and through you and all of your smallness and all of my smallness. And he expands your heart because freedom is not just about freedom from slavery. It's about freedom to love. And the more that we can begin to, to, to move away from always just thinking, oh, I could, if I, I could do so much good, if I could just have more time, if I could just get out of Boone, I could do way more good for people. We are set free The more we push back against that, we're set free to see the neighbors that God has put right in front of you that he's called you to love. And that's freedom. When you are in one place intentionally knowing that I can't be anywhere else, you are more free to enjoy. When you rest knowing that your exhaustion is not something to be ashamed of, it's actually a response to a gift a limit that God has given you, you can sleep with confidence. When you put away your phone and sit there with a cup of coffee in your hand, you stare out the window, losing the consideration of all the million other things that you could put your focus on, you are simply free to be human. When you submit yourself to God's commands, knowing that they are a constraint, 
but they are true freedom. You are learning to be free as a child of God. All of this in the end leads us to see this. You were made with limits because you were made for a limitless God. You were made with limits because you were made for a limitless God. And all of your limits in your life are crying out to you, you are not God, stop trying to be God because he is limitlessly able to give you the wide and open and satisfying life you so desire as you find yourself limited to and by his love. The gospel, which is the story of Jesus, says something really remarkable to us. It tells us that the infinite God, not bound by time and space, became, in a sense, limited to one time and place, limited to become a group of cells with a soul that grew in a woman's womb and was born through her and became one child and became poor and was limited by suffering and constrained by death in the place of sinners, all because his love is limitless and all because he wants to make you free. Limit yourself to and by his love and be free.